to the It'll Buff Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Grachowski, CEO and founder of Five and Fly LLC. What if I told you there's no set path on separating from the Army? If you are an active duty Army officer seeking to separate from the Army in the next 18 to 12 months, here's the deal. Stay tuned. The fact of the matter is, people out there are going to tell you that there's a set path to go on, whether that's pursuing an MBA or pursuing a certain internship path. There isn't. And here's what I'm going to tell you. You can write your own path. You just need to be able to filter through the noise. This podcast is going to provide you with interviews, one-on-ones, and personal experiences that help you create an azimuth to guide you on the path of separating from the Army. This isn't going to have all the answers, but it's going to help point you in the right direction. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for tuning in. It'll buff. This episode of the It'll Buff Podcast, I'm your host, Daniel Grachowski, CEO and founder of Five and Fly. And today we are diving back into another one of those episodes that are really bread and butter, but we're going to kind of see where this conversations go or this conversation goes. Our guest today is uh, has quite this transition story, journey, um, and we call it a journey because he's still on it. He's still trying to, he's still trying to figure out the direction you want to go. Uh, but today on the podcast, uh, a little bit about our guest. Uh, we have Connor Santana. He is a he was a veteran. All right, so out of the military, West Point class of 2015. So kind of a classmate. Uh, I went to the prep school, so I should have been class of 2025 or 2015. But you know the the military or West Point was like, ah, you're just not smart enough. You know, I had to get that second senior year. Uh, and this is kind of we're gonna dive into this. Uh, but this is where it gets interesting. So he moved three industries in three years. And so for all of those folks out there who are like, what the heck am I going to do with my life when I get out of the military? Just stay tuned to this episode. It's going to be great. Um, and so, yeah, without further ado, Connor, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Dan. Appreciate it. Of course. Now, you know, as I mentioned before we dove into this, there, there guys, there's a lot to cover in this podcast episode. Uh, just talking to Connor before we hopped on this podcast and just kind of learn more about him and what he's doing with his life. Um, he's done a lot and there's going to be a lot of knowledge that's going to be dropped on this podcast episode. So stay tuned. Uh, depending on when you're listening to this, grab your beverage of choice. I got my cup of coffee. I'm excited to sit here and listen to Connor. I uh, hope you are too. So, uh, Connor, yeah, just really kind of take us back as far as you need sure. to go in order to paint that picture of, Hey, this is what my transition looks like. Um, and then we'll have a conversation from there. So Connor, floor is yours. Appreciate it. So, um, appreciate it, Dan. So kind of starting back, uh, going into West Point, I know when we were there, there was, um, a lot of talk of like how many people are going to do the five and fly, how many people were going to be career. And, you know, I know everyone says they knew from, you know, the get go, those that did get out at five, they knew from day one. Right. Um, I was actually one of those people when I went in, I knew that I was going to do my five. Um, but the thing is, so the, the degree that I ended up doing, I was, um, you know, life science, right? So like biochemistry, I was only one of three people, I think, in our class that didn't go the pre-med to med school route. And okay. part of the reason why is because uh, I learned that there was going to be an ADSO 
for, I think, three years for every one year of medical school. So I'd be looking at 12 years plus the original five would take me to 17. At that point, you might as you might as well finish, right? Yeah, so three more. That's it. That's easy. <laughs> exactly, right? So, and, and I think it was um, my junior year that that's when I had to kind of make that decision if I wanted to go that route or not. And so at that point, I realized, look, I'm what, 21? I think years old and to know what that for sure I was going to spend the next however many years at that point in time, I, I just couldn't really make that call. Um, and so that's within where I made that uh, active decision. Look, I'm just going to go, uh, you know, see how it is and um, ended up getting out at five. And um, <laughs> that process itself was was interesting because um, so like I know you do a lot of the skill bridge kind of stuff. Um in this case, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I got out. Uh, so one of the things I was fortunate, I had talked with a friend who just got out right before me and he did hiring of heroes. Okay. And so at that point, I didn't know what industry I wanted to go in. I had, uh, I was a logistics officer, but I had a biochemistry kind of degree. So they don't really work with like, each other. You're like, um, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here to do work. What do you need me to do? I can, I can like maybe like make some cool chemistry stuff and do operations out of, out, out of, with the best of them, but I'm here. Right. And, and that's, uh, at the point when I'm looking at the, um, going into hiring our heroes, they give you like a list of, I think it's like 15 different companies and yep. looking at them, I didn't know many of the, like the names, but the ones that I did know, one was a uh, Northwestern mutual. So okay. to go basically sell insurance. And then another one was Lockheed Martin space. And so, I went, I ended up going the defense route because I figured that, you know, the, the background I had, um, also being able to kind of speak the lingo yeah. in a, in a sense. Um, and so I started in aerospace and defense. So that was the first wow. jump. <laughs> that nothing, you know, I, I, I think like it's, it's, it's great. I love that you're going down this route because I think there's a lot of people, I, you know, I was to everybody out there. There's a lot of people that have that mentality. I was right. Like I was a mechanical engineer uh background coming out of the west point and i thought to myself i like i was convinced i was gonna go do what you did and instead i went and worked for an artificial intelligence company like what the heck was i thinking but yeah let's go keep keep going i love it i love it this is great so sure so that was the first jump right so uh within lockheed martin space um so this was up in a very very cool program because as i was trying to get out for the last three months i was in monday through thursday I was on site with civilian contractors, et cetera, up in Boulder. And then I would have to drive down to um, back to Colorado Springs to for Fridays to where they kind of help you in that transition process, right? They helped you how to be a civilian, how to talk like a civilian, how to write a resume like a civilian. Um, and I, I'll hit on that, writing a resume a little bit more, because I'll tell you that um, that was one of my biggest challenges with getting out mm. was actually how to write a resume that perked the interest of the private sector and not okay. writing it like a, like an OER. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, that's, that's great. I think because, you know, what's interesting is, and, and what I've talked to individuals about and, you know, the listeners that are out there have, have heard me say this, that when you're writing a resume, Generally, you want to get to somewhat of a really good draft that explains, you know, exactly what you said, 
it's not verbatim OER translation to, to a resume. You have relevant positions. You have, you're showing progression. You show what you have, you were able to accomplish. But then, but then everybody's like, okay, that's great. I have that. But then I, I'm, ex- I'm interested and we could dive into it, but I'm interested to hear how you then take, and I don't know if that's the method you did. It's just, but then how you take that kind of really polished product and then refine it even more um, into industry specific resume. So sure. if you did so, that at all. Yeah. And, and it was, it was a gradual progression. I mean, it's funny. I look back today at my previous copies of my resumes and the first one, again, it just looked like, you know, mm-hmm. we are. Um, mm-hmm. But then as I started going through, what I realized is when I started actually using the terms platoon leader, um, executive officer, none of these positions meant anything to anybody. No. Unless they were a veteran. But I don't know how many of those were working at HR, the yeah. ones that are actually reading the resumes. Unless they're a small company. Small, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah. And at that point, the way it works with especially a lot of LinkedIn jobs, it just hits the filter. If it mm-hmm. doesn't hit a keyword, it doesn't even, it just out. And so what I learned was to translate a lot of the positions. For example, I think um, one here for uh, when I was working in a the, the maintenance, uh, oh God, spend some time, maintenance platoon leader, <laughs> then I moved to the MCO, right? Maintenance okay. control officer. Okay. So the, the title that I titled that was supply chain operations manager. Nice. Right? So at that point, because I was managing supply chains, um, you know, and I started talking in there, the, you know, don't use soldiers, you translate that to employees, right? And you have to use a lot of those kind of terms. And so it, over time, it started gradually changing to the point that I was actually starting to hear back from people, funny as that is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's great. No, I, I, and, and that's, that's exactly a key point. It's, you individuals out there also have to recognize that it, it's just like regular army practice per se in the idea of position improvement, right? Once you occupy a piece of terrain, you don't just sit there and not do anything with it. You continually improve the position to make it better and better. And so that's, you know, to all the listeners out there, that's, that's a really great, that's really great advice and just continue to reflect on it. I know there's even, uh, you know, LinkedIn resume gurus and HR gurus and resume writer gurus who say, hey, just find a way to change one word or add a comma here or period, take away something here and resubmit it. Because then that also shows that you're continually reflecting on it. And then to your point, you never know what like nobody knows the algorithm that's running the filter that picks resumes. You know, we just keep submitting stuff and like, oh, this one is getting it's like. It's like building marketing content, right? Or like lead generators. You're like, okay, let's just throw lead generation tools out there and let's see which one gets the most click. You know, um, I've been I've been nerding out on Google Analytics, so don't <laughs> let me don't let me get on that. But uh, yeah, so so keep going. So you see so Lockheed Martin, yep, aerospace. Now now and now we're, we're continuing to go from there. So within Lockheed Martin, as as funny as it is, when I started with Lockheed Martin Space, the only position they had for me was a project engineer. I had no background in engineering other than I know everyone has to do what a, um, a track, engineering right? track. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. But that was the fullest extent of it, let alone spirits, aerospace and aeronautics. Right. Yeah. Nothing. So yeah. at that point, I then transitioned within the company because I found that when you get into a company to move laterally, it's very easy. 
Um, and so I moved into supply chain management, which is more kind of down my alley, right? Yeah. Um, did that for about a year. And this is, again, now COVID's hitting, right? So now we're full, moving fully remote. And um, while I liked it, one of the things I found that um, I kind of liked the sales side of things more, interacting okay. with people. And I found it wasn't really, it wasn't really cutting it, right? And so it, yeah. and it, it, this actually lined up right when I got contacted by a company, Oracle NetSuite. Okay. And so Oracle NetSuite, they sell something called NetSuite for those um, that are still in or who um, dealt with uh, Army SAP, familiar with GCSS Army. Okay. It's Hell very yeah. much like, yep, it's basically that, but um, kind of tailored to our medium-sized businesses, but basically that. Okay. And so it was my job then for, I think it was nine months. I was in training for nine months about how to sell, present, and uh, help businesses come onto this software. Fast forward, now it's 2020. So that was 21. So 2022, the training ended. Then I was full-time with the company um, in selling this product. And this is then where we took a pivot. So now getting into the entrepreneurial side, um, and I really have to attribute this to my wife, Bella. Um, she's a serial entrepreneur her whole life. She's been starting businesses. Yes. And after we got married, um, I started a company with her called Pract Eco Solutions, Practical and Ecological Solutions. Um, and it's actually kind of taken its a sh different shape over the few years. Um, but the first thing we started doing, as funny as it is, is selling compostable, biodegradable cocktail straws. And so yes. we got these okay. because, yep, so a lot of you know, restaurants, bars, everything, they carry those paper straws. I hate them. Um, and so we looked at, and her being from Thailand, that's a country that grows a lot of sugarcane. And so we looked at, well, you know, let's maybe do this as our first, our first company, something that's not gonna, um, it's hit, again, hitting my supply chain background, hitting uh, her connections within Thailand. And so we started doing this as a company. Um, but that quickly, so while we're still doing straws right now, um, another thing that she wanted to do, and this is, again, another very big pivot, uh, starting in the end of 2021, no, to end of 2022, we moved to Thailand, actually, for a year. And there we started something called Rollup. And Rollup is an application, a mobile app that we're building right now. We're about to launch, actually. Uh, that's a junk removal app. It connects people who want to get rid of junk with people who want to make some extra money moving junk. Um, very similar to like Uber or Lyft or DoorDash. And so I was still doing that uh, Oracle NetSuite job while in Thailand because I needed to pay the bills. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so while I was in Thailand, I <laughs> it, it's crazy because the I'm still working on American time to make this work. So yeah. I started work at 10.30 p.m. I would stay up all night long working. I then went to, what uh, finished work at like 5 a.m., went to go yeah. work out, then went to bed. And I did that for almost a year. Whew. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. trying to work with our developers in Thailand to continue to develop this app with my wife. Yeah. Man, that is, I love it. I. 
you know, what's interesting is that um, my, you know, to all listeners out there, I've, I've had my wife on um, to kind of share her side of the transition story. And uh, I've shared with the audience that she's also a serial entrepreneur. And she, like you give her an excuse to start a company and she's going to go start a company. And it's this bug, right? It's the startup bug you get. Um, and, and I love, I, I love that story. I think it's just, it's a testament to just the life that happens in the transition. And I think, you know, it's, a, it provides a really good insight to the listeners out there that although you're in a job, you know, like you did give a hundred and give 110%, continue to provide value to the team that you're on, but don't close the door if, if you're kind of thinking through something you're like wait a minute i have this idea and i want to see what it's like and understand that it's gonna be a little cra- you know it's gonna be crazy <laughs> i mean you know i am not as crazy as moving to time you know i can't say anything like that but i think that's that's all i i love it i love it man i think that um that's such a just a great like a lot of people think their transition stories are chaotic and obviously, you know, getting out of the military is chaotic, but I also try and educate people on the idea that the transition doesn't like once you take off your camouflage uniform, your, your ACU or whatever letter we're on now for the, you know, the uniform and put on a, a suit and tie or collar t-shirt, or if you're working from home and you have your camera off, no shirt at all, uh, you, you know, there's, there's still a transition. You're still trying to figure out it's the way I look at it is like you're basically becoming a, a butter bar again once you transition right and you kind of learn what the army is all about you know you're sitting in the s3 shop you're doing your day job and you're kind of like looking at all these other positions like well that you know as a fire support it's like yeah like you know that fso job looks pretty cool that fdo job i'm not sure about that one like that pl job like that's the, you know and you kind of start to see all the stuff and then you really start to figure out how to go from there and so i just think that you just painted a great picture of, uh, you know, kind of to how that transition has continued. So I don't know if you have any more to add to that. Uh, and if you do, I please mean, do. One, one thing I would say too, and this is um, something that it was difficult for me, right? So coming from the military making, I mean, first off, I mean, it, as you know, when I got out as an O3, it's a sizable income as an O3 yeah. Yeah. with BAH, with BAS, with healthcare all covered. I found in the, at least the first two jobs, I took a net pay cut, mm-hmm. um, especially the first one, working with Lockheed Martin. That was a significant pay cut because, I mean, they say, oh, no, it's kind of the same because, you know, they're looking at um, the what's the term called like the, the pay grades. Right. They yep. look, you know, they can look that online. I'm like, but that's not factoring in this, this, this and that. Yep. And the point that, you know, my wife had to then get a job after I got out. You know, it was that big of a difference. And I think one thing that was very difficult for me to understand was, well, you know, with the military experience, we did all these things. You know, we operated overseas and this and that. And you feel that you go into the next company, like kind of starting from scratch. Yep. You kind of have to prove your worth to them, especially if they don't really understand what you did in the army. You know, and it's kind of humbling is what I'll say. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So you kind of. You have to kind of stomach that. And I mean, again, that's just my personal experience. Maybe some others, it was, it was different, but that was definitely a challenge for me. No, that's, that's exactly right. At the end of the day, when you, when you leave the military, part of what you're doing, and I'm not saying this in a negative light, 
is you realize that you have to swallow that humble piece of pie that it, it, it and I've talked to people and they're ba- basically, they say to me, Hey, I want to get out of the military. Uh, I want the same pay. Um, <laughs> you know, I kind of want to have ability. Yeah. Yeah. With the same <laughs> responsibility, but I also kind of want it to be chill and work from home and, you know, I kind of just want to like ride it out. And I, in my head, I'm looking at the individual and I tell them, hey, you should just probably stay in the military because the civilian world doesn't roll like that. Now, I'm not going to say, you know, that's not a that's not a hundred uh, percent factual statement. There are you there could be roles, especially if you are an engineer, right? You're a mechanical engineer and you go into an engineer profession and you're fully accredited, fully certified you know, coming out of the military as a professional engineer, get right into an organization. Sure, you might have to have a little bit of hand holding up front, but you can walk into an engineering job, at, you know, at like a Lockheed Martin and make a lot more money um, and really kind of have that lifestyle. It's like you're just, they, they put you in your room and you and you become a mad scientist. And you mm-hmm. build ballistic missiles and whatever else, you know, those companies want you to build and, and you can have that lifestyle. But that, those are very, you know, that's a small percentage of our population in the military. But other than that, I'm not saying that pay cuts are out there, but I think that it, that's it. And I think there's a lot of education that's going into that. People are, especially veterans, when they're in organizations, they're trying to tell those organizations, hey, look, this isn't, there, there's more to this picture. Um, but I, I think that's a great piece of advice, just talking about swallowing that humble piece of pie. Uh, so one thing I want to go back to, and I think, you know, I, I, I don't want to do the uh, lack of due diligence here, uh, sure. but I think you know, we've had a few people who have gone through hiring your heroes on come on the podcast and talk about that experience. And so for you, this obviously happened during a crazy time during COVID. But I think people look at hiring our heroes and look at it as a automatic guaranteed job that they want, right? They say, like, okay, yeah, I'm going to go in and get the job that I want guaranteed a job. And, you know, whatever. I did an unsponsored skill bridge. So I don't know what that's like. I Sure. If, if, as much as you can remember, right? You went into the Lockheed Martin world. What was that experience like? Because obviously, you have this. You know, you said like, I don't really know what I want to do. Like supply chain logistics, op, ops management. Um, did like was there a company on that list where did you have did you have a top three? Did you hit that kind of? Well, yeah. What, what was your thought press going then sure. into that? So a few things. One of them. So. <laughs> um, there was really three. Actually, there was a third one. I can't remember the name of it, but it's it's a sizable company, and they do um, delivery and cleaning for uniforms. If you work at like Subway, if you work at hotels, and you have like those those polo shirts that are mm-hmm. uniforms, they're the ones who create the shirts, issue the, the they lease the shirts really, and manage it. And so that was another one. It was like a laundry company basically. Um, and what you do is when you go in there, you're going to provide to um, hiring our heroes your top three and that's after you kind of call around they ask you to basically do your due diligence learn about them and i think there was because your top three are the ones that you're ultimately they're going to set aside time while you're in the army so you know instead of showing up for formation you're going to be showing up to these interviews and the first three was um lockheed martin space it was um the laundry company and um and Northwestern Mutual in my case. And then from there, 
really at that point, and I don't know if this is for everyone, but they basically offered it and they said, hey, if you want it, if you choose us, we'll choose you in all three cases. Okay. Um, in all three cases, it was also going to be a significant pay cut. Um, I think the only, I mean, especially Northwestern Mutual, but that's more of a commission-based job where you start and you don't really have a book of business, but you grow that over time. At the time, my wife wasn't working. So, yeah. Yeah. I took that into consideration too, right? Yeah. Um, yep. And so at that point, uh, I let Lockheed Martin know, hey, I'm, I want to choose you guys. Um, and then from there, uh, yeah, that's how I guess the selection process went. And okay. with other people, it wasn't. And then, I mean, so is your question also then like after you do your internship about actually starting full time or? Yeah. And the transition into it, right? Because I think there, I, again, not go, not having gone through it and only kind of getting word of mouth, right? There's individuals that go through the program. And, you know, as I was getting out, I was like, man, all these hiring here people, they just go in and they get this job and they just, sure. they, they have this, you know, this opportunity now. I've never really seen it where, and maybe I haven't been paying attention as much as I should have. I've never really seen it where somebody either like went to intern for a company and turned it down and said, Hey, like, thanks, but no, thanks. Didn't like this experience. Or is it just kind of like a, throughout the process, you're like, so, Hey, yep. Still like it. Go from there. Yeah. Um, so the way that our class worked, I think was maybe 30 of us. Right. Um, yeah. in my case with Lockheed Martin, um, at the end of it, I mean, you do your thing. So again, this is why you're still in the army. And then at the very end of it, you're expecting you hopefully get an offer from them to then transition full time. Um, within my class of 30 or so people, they started a lot of them started with um, other companies I can't remember the name of. But by the yeah. end of it, they actually turned those companies down. And wow, they okay. went over a lot of them to Amazon. Okay, I forget the name of the position, but it's, um, it's starting is very good pay. Um, also yeah. that was another one was Amazon. Um, okay. but I wasn't sure if I wanted to be on the floor of Amazon. <laughs> that just wasn't my, <laughs> um, but a lot of them actually went to that. And I think starting salary, I can't say for sure, but I think it's like 130 something. Yeah. It's, it, it's about decent, right. yeah. decent. Um, and so a lot of them ended up turning down their things and then moving over to Amazon. And I'll tell you, even with Lockheed Martin's space, Remember, like, I was trying to get into supply chain. They said, well, no, you're going to be an engineer. Yeah. Okay, fine. You know, but so during that process, during those three months, I had to find ways, whether it on weekends, because I wasn't so dead set that I wanted to go do that. I wanted to go supply chain. And so yeah. I actually started interviewing with other companies. Um, I interviewed with Apple, right, in nice. California to try to do global supply chain management with them. And so even during my time there, I tried finding what exactly I wanted, um, but still used the hiring our heroes as a way that I guess you'd call it a backup option that, you know, at the end of it, statistically, you're probably going to get an offer if you perform decent. Man, that's, that's really great insight. And I think there, you know, there's people out there right now that probably were thinking through, Hey, I, once I get into the hiring heroes, I need to accept this position. And I think... You, you know, and that and that's a lot of what I thought, too, about the Hiring Your Heroes program is kind of for me, it was I heard a lot of people going into this, but I was like, yeah, but then you're kind of like you might not get the company you want to work for. Then you're like locked into it. And, you know, I don't know if, if you had that entrepreneurial mindset when you're going 
to work at Lockheed or if that kind of developed, you know, again, as you, you know, spent more time with your wife and she, she gave you the entrepreneurial bug. But like for me coming out of the military, I was like, I know that one day, hopefully very soon, I want to start my own company. And so I was trying to think through like, you know, if I go work for, you know, Johnson and Johnson, Lockheed Martin, Amazon, you know, some of these large entities, like I'm not going to get that you know, that experience that you would get if you started out a small, medium company uh, or even a startup for that matter. And so that's kind of why I went the route I did. Uh, but that's interesting. It's, it's really insightful. I, I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So then, so now we go to Lockheed Martin, you're in there, project engineer, you laterally transfer, you go do the thing that you thought you wanted to do. And then, you know, so we kind of go back to the analogy of like, you like pinch your butter bar, you, you pinch your black bar on, you're like, okay, yeah, I got, I know what I'm doing a little bit, right? I spent, I, I did my 18 month due diligence. I didn't die. I didn't kill anybody. Uh, kind of got this thing figured out a little bit. Uh, now you're like, but hey, you know, like this job over here is looking pretty, looking pretty sweet. And so you kind of got that. I, it, it's so interesting. Everybody coming out of the military is like, I yep. would never do not. I, I'm not going to say everybody because sales platoon exists, which is a great skill bridge opportunity if you want to go skill uh, sales. But most people are like, I don't want to go sales. I want to deal with commission. But then they get in the, they get in the, uh, they get in the civilian where they look over at the sales team. And you're like, those guys make a lot of money and they're having a lot yeah. of fun doing it. I want to go check that out. So yeah, kind of, kind of talk about that transition. Yeah. So, um, within, yeah. So with, <laughs> it's funny because the different industries, right? So I, I get yeah. my background, my degree was in biochemistry. Yeah. Uh, my platoon leader, you know, army time was in supply chain, um, really more operations side. Yeah. Then I went into defense as a project engineer and then a little bit of supply chain. But then after that, I got offered from a company. They're like, Hey, do you want to go sell software? I have no background in software. <laughs> like, um, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, and the way they described it was I wasn't even, I don't need to know so much. I just needed, but they looked at uh, my GCSS army time. Mm. Sure. I understand the benefits, right? From a uh, operational side of things, right? Within the army, you understand, well, I'm moving things from point A to point B. There's going to be inherent cost. And so yep. I had basic understanding to the point that I could still add value and really break it down to a customer. Yeah. And the other thing they looked at, at that time, we'd already started our straw company. They wanted to see that um, we could level with other entrepreneurs, other small business people who wanted to get their businesses going. Because if you're just talking in a very much a, uh, I don't know what we're using, <laughs> like such a collegiate level, um, such a book side level and really no practical experience, they're not really going to, buy off on what you're saying, what you're selling. And so it's like, look, you know, this is something that would be beneficial to my business, you know, managing yeah. stuff coming from overseas. And so I did that for some time, but definitely kind of outside of my, uh, it was like nine months of learning how to use a software training. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's so, that's so interesting because, you know, I think I, one of the things that I also like, interested in doing and now uh you know if anybody from sales platoon is listening i'm coming for you i want to listen i want i want somebody on your team to come on this platform and share what you guys do because i've i expect and, and i know and we're going to dive into this really soon uh once you put on that you know entrepreneurial hat i mean at the end of the day you are a salesman right you got to have vision you got to have strategy you got to understand how to put it all together but at the end of the day, your company doesn't exist if you don't bring revenue in. 
and how do you bring revenue in? You you sell what you 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 sell the product you created, and so I I one I just think having that skill set, uh, whether or not you choose to go into well, I think they coined the term business development now. You know, like the sales name was kind of getting a bad rap. So if you want to go into business development, you know, I think whether or not you want to do that having a, a little bit of a sales background helps you even if you don't go in that world because then you understand how to do things like negotiate with other teams and and understand how to maybe you know if you're a lead project product manager director you understand how to sell what your team is producing maybe get more funds to get more people onto your organization and it gives you that skill set that also Leadership wants to see, especially if you want to climb the ladder at a company, it's like, hey, this guy understands not only the technical side, but he understands how to sell what he's doing. And in the long run, could be a very strategic thinker at the leadership level, which is really thinking about revenue and how to increase it, how to scale and all that good stuff. So, but I know, well, I've been itching at the bullet to get to this part of the conversation, but Connor, he, he he's doing it. He's doing it. He, well, he, he was doing it and now he's doing it twofold. Um, and he said, you know what, you know, I'm done with working for somebody. I don't know if he said this, I'm just making this all up, but <laughs> he said, he said, I'm done. I'm done working for somebody else. I want to do my own thing. I want to create an awesome product. I want to change the world through this product, um, and have a lot of fun doing it again. I don't know. If, I don't think he said that yet, but I know he's having fun doing it, whether or not he says it or not. Uh, but he started a company, uh, well, two companies, one, and now he's starting another um, and it is an awesome company, guys. I talked to him about it for probably about 30 minutes. He sent me, you know, a marketing video. Uh, I honestly want to go buy a truck and just do it for, for funsies. I think it's a, it's a great opportunity. It's an awesome side gig opportunity right now. Um, so Connor, without further ado, just sure. tell the audience what you're doing today and we'll just kind of go from there. Sure. So the, the company that, um, this is again, going back to 2018. So Side note, uh, my wife and I, while I was in the army with, again, the VA loan, right? You can buy flip houses um, fairly easily with zero down. So that's what we did for a number of years. Um, and we ended up having lots of leftover carpet, leftover fridges, everything, right? Because we got it. Um, and again, this I love my wife, right? At the time we were dating and she would have a bottle of wine with me as we're uh, <laughs> cutting up flooring uh, as we were dating. Um, Yes. And at that point, we were left with piles of junk and new to the area, both own sedans, right? And we're like, well, and, and, we, and we were pretty broke, right? Every dollar we had was going into renovating these houses. So we thought to ourselves, well, we know. And then also when we're, so we had our dog at the time, we're walking down the street and we see a bunch of trucks everywhere. And we're like, why can't like we get something that connects us that has all this junk with someone down the street that has a truck that's just wants to make a few dollars. Right. And so yeah. that's really kind of where the idea for the app sparked. Um, years later. So now we're talking 2022. So four years later, my wife comes to me with this idea and she's like, Hey honey, I got this idea, you know, and again, she has a lot of ideas and she's, <laughs> <laughs> amazingly successful when it comes to starting businesses. And so I hear her out, right? I'm just like, okay, what, what you got? And she pitches it to me and I, I kind of get it. But then she actually starts sketching out this app. Um, and I have, I think I have the whiteboard here somewhere, the, the original whiteboard. And she starts drawing out what each of the screens are going to look like. 
Um, and then she starts refining it. And um, then she starts sketching out like with the transition, the features. And then we start getting quotes within America. And um, because we don't really have software development background. Yeah. And it's, it's much more than we can afford. Much, much more. Um, and so at that point, we realized, you know what? She has a few connections in Thailand, being from Thailand. And uh, so that's when we decided to just take all of our operations overseas. Meanwhile, while working with Oracle NetSuite, um, and we started developing the app from the ground up. And that was, we moved there in 2000, or no, so the, about the end of last year. And we just got back recently. Um, well, I think only like a month or so now. <laughs> and okay, wow. um, yeah, so we're now like 90% done with the development of the app. It's now in um, alpha testing. And uh, we're just about to actually launch our Kickstarter um, to basically, because I think actually starting Sunday, we're going to be patent pending as well. And so let's we're, go. Yeah, it's <laughs> the thing that's it's crazy with applications, right? They talk about this valley of death when it comes to um, startups, right? Where you have whatever money you start with, whether friends, family, or alone, right? And as you're spending, your company's not making any money. And you keep going down and down and down. You've got to file for patents, trademarks, um, you name it, right? Or, I mean, often you're still working for free, right? You haven't paid yourself a dime. And you're going yep. down. And then until that point that you start making that revenue, it's, you don't get that hockey stick effect. And so in our case with app development, I mean, you might be going on over two years before you're making any money. Mm -hmm. And so we're now at the point now where uh, we're getting very close to launching. We're going to be kicking off our Kickstarter uh, next week and again this is an application where you know right now with the gig economy right with the way the economy is right now i know plenty of people who what job they have it just isn't cutting it right they're needing to pick up uber they're needing to sell stuff on amazon anything they can to make an extra dollar and mm -hmm. so you know with uber the thing is is that you have to have people in your car that yep. means you have to keep your car pretty clean. You have to be comfortable with people in your car. Not everyone is, right? And for those who have a truck, and I mean, especially a lot of my soldiers, they most of them had pickups, right? Mm -hmm. This is something where, I mean, frankly, you don't even need a pickup. Even an SUV, you can go pick up junk. You can go either flip it, right? So this is the, another advantage of our application is that you just need to get rid of the junk. Whether you actually dispose of that junk and you pay the fee, right, as the hauler, yep. that's your prerogative. If you want to keep those dishwashers and fridges and flip those on Facebook Marketplace because you maybe have more time than the person getting rid of it, the earnings are yours. So yeah. that's another way that, you know, we're, we're helping provide income. But then also they're going to get uh, paid by the customer that's posting the job. Yeah, I it's, man, I... You know, it, the one thing about being an entrepreneur, right, is I always tell people who are like, yeah, I want to be, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, what do you do? I'm like, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm trying to grow a business. <laughs> oh, that sounds awesome. I'm like, you know, I'm like, yeah, but have you heard of the valley of death where you just spend a lot of money and you don't even know if this thing's going to work? And they're like, wait, what? You don't just like form an LLC or whatever type of organization you want to form and it just happens. I'm like, nope, I, I wish it was, it'd be really awesome. But I, I, you know, I think just a, I just, this is awesome. I'm all for it. I think, you know, there's, it, 
you're right. You you are providing value to multiple different spectrums of not only the you know helping out people who are PCSing or moving or what you know trying to downgrade, upgrade, whatever. Just getting getting rid of stuff. You're creating you know an economy for the local community. People who are hauling stuff. Who you know, and I think we uh, we had we had something happen in our house, um, and you know we had a bunch of stuff and it was basically, you know, we, we asked the guy to come haul it. And, you know, obviously starting a company myself and we're like, you know, we're, we're counting every dollar that leaves our bank account. And, you know, the guy's like, yeah, that'll be $750. I was like, huh? I was like, I, yeah. I, I, I know a guy with a truck. I'll just, you know, whatever. I, it can sit on the side of the house for a little bit. And then I was like, you know what? I'll go move it. Like, you know, I'm, I'm strong. I'm capable. I have the time right now. I could, you know, I took it to the junkyard. It cost me 50 bucks, whatever, you know, like it, it got, you just, it's time. And, you know, so then you're kind of helping people who, you know, who can still sit there and even stuff. And I think you mentioned when we originally talked, they're, they're just going to get rid of it for free. Right. So you can even something that you're just going to get rid of, you could even potentially, you know, make a little money off of it or whatever. And I think that that's awesome. And now I want to hit on this idea of the the gig, the side gig economy, because, you know, especially as transitioning service members out there are, are concerned, I think depending on how many people come out of the military with whether it's disability levels or things of that nature, it becomes increasingly lucrative that people are, think to themselves, okay, I just spent a lot of time in the military, you know, quote unquote, working for somebody else. And I don't necessarily want to do that, but it's like, I still need to get income. And the, and this, like you hit the nail on the head, the side gig economy is, is growing rapidly. It's, there's so many businesses out there that are starting to create side gigs, whether it's like, you know, a, a, a company that I, I signed on with GoRx Fitness, right? I have a garage gym. They basically allow you to use your garage, make a profit off your garage gym in your local community, right? Like you could make $1,200 a month allowing people to use your garage gym when it was, you were just, and I'm just like, A, crap, why didn't I think of that? B, let's go. Like I, it really requires, you know, onboarding for new members, right? Like minimal cost pictures, some, some upkeep, but they help you with all that. And then you have a company like this where it's like, you know, to your point, I'm a soldier, I'm a young officer, you know, and sure, like, I, I don't know how many soldiers are always itching for an extra buck, you know, and, and they all have, you know, I like, well, maybe if you just don't take the gigantic car loan that you use to buy the truck, you know, maybe, maybe you don't have this problem anymore. Uh, but hey, I got good news for you. Now you can take that truck and you can use it to pay for itself. But I love it. I love the psyche economy. So I would say, you know, Talking about your app, I definitely want to be a platform that promotes this because I love it. I love the side gig. It's, it's somebody myself who, you know, it's like, hey, I got a couple extra hours here and there. I got a truck. I can go help people out, whatever, um, you know. So let, let how, how do you're you're about to start alpha testing? If somebody sure. wants to, if somebody wants to hop in and alpha test and make some side cash for whether they want to go on vacation, you know build up side cash while they're in the military to start their own company? Um, how do they get involved? Sure. So one of the ways that we're going to be spreading awareness is with our Kickstarter. And so our Kickstarter is going to be kicking off next week for the company roll up. Um, and when you check out on there, you're going to be able to see what our timeline is. 
Um, and one of the things that we're going to be offering on there is beta access for people who want to purchase that. And we're only going to be offering that to a select number of people, right? So we can actually manage the, the input, right? So you don't have, um, because, you know, if it's, it's too much, it's very hard to kind of make tweaks and changes. And we're offering that. So, you know, the people who really want to um, kind of like ride or die, right? You know, with us that we can take in that feedback. Um, and so once we have the beta going in that version of it, uh, it should be at the point where people are going to actually be able to start making income. We have all the major bugs tweet, you know, out of there. That's what we're working right now. It's just making it um, polished. Yep. And then at that point, yeah, it's kind of off to the races. Man, that's exciting. I love it. I love it, man. I, this, this is so cool. I, I think, you know, and again, and, and to all listeners out there, even somebody like Connor, who has kind of found this, his spot as a business owner, there's, there's still a transition that is going to continue to evolve, right? Not only is he going to figure out how to continue to make this company more robust and grow it, right? You got to think about scaling and, and making sure the application grows. And, and then, you know, we were kind of talking about it before we, and I don't know if this is the intent, but right, you got to think about exit strategy. What are you going to yes. do? You're going to, you're going to take this thing public and run it big time, or are you going to, you're going to sell it, uh, take your money and ride off into the sunset and, or go start another company, you know? And, 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 and that's one of those things where the transition is continuing to happen. And I think that's one of the, uh, I really honestly on this podcast, haven't had an opportunity to really talk about how the transition doesn't just stop when you take your uniform off, right? You are continuing to transition as a develop, as a veteran. And at, we have as veterans, we have that skill set that we want to continue to grow and get better and then also provide for those coming behind us. And so I would say this is really kind of first time that I've talked through this. What does, you know, your transition continue to look like now that you are going to step into this role of business owner? How are you preparing yourself, you know, <laughs> in this different world? And, and I, I, you know, the answer could be like, dude, I honestly have no idea. Just figure it, you know, I'm, I'm riding the it'll buff mentality out. But, you know, uh, you yeah. know, how, what, what does that transition continue to look like? How can you prepare yourself and then reflect back like what has the transition looked like? How have you continually transitioned from job opportunity to job opportunity to, and, and, and how does that carry you forward? So what I will say is, again, I don't, I'm not like a serial entrepreneur like my wife, right? Where she <laughs> understands how to raise capital, um, A round, B rounds, just even months ago, um, like equity, uh, dilution, all of these terms I'd never heard of. Yeah. I don't have a business degree, right? I never got my MBA. And so I'm having to um, really learn a lot from her, but also just YouTube. Um, I took a class online, something that for everyone listening is definitely, definitely look at. It's called EDX, Echo, De Elta, uh, Echo uh, Delta X-Ray. And what it is, it's like a free app that connects you with universities that are offering like trial courses, right? And so I took um, University of Columbia, I think it was. And it was okay. just like, this was while I was in Thailand and I was doing the class on my phone. And so there's free versions of it where you don't have to do homework, but you still get all of the textbook. And so I took a class on uh, venture capitalism and how to raise capital in different rounds. And so, you know, I, I don't know crap about any of this. And so I had to actively go find it while trying to not spend a whole heck of a lot of money. Right. Yeah. And so 
again, that deep value of death it would only get deeper. Yep. Um, and so that's part of my transition, right? To go from civilian, I, I knew there was a huge knowledge gap for me. Um, even now, I have one of my wife's textbooks. It's a um, investing textbook, just because I'm just trying to understand like the basic, basic terms. Yeah. <laughs> and so just trying to get smart, right? Um, and I would say, so that was kind of my transition right now from here to entrepreneurs, just trying to fill in that knowledge gap where I can, but obviously a lot of it's still going to be kind of shooting from the hip. Um, from with, when transitioning from, you know, nine to five job to nine to five job, that transition process, uh, what I would say is definitely lean on your fellow vets, um, mm. talk to them. Uh, one of the guys who was um, mentoring me, he was a class a year ahead of me, uh, was working at Northwestern Mutual, did the Skill Bridge program, Hiring Our Heroes, and, and really kind of helped me with that process about like, what does this look like? When should I like set up, um, I mean, things you have to consider when you get out, you're going to lose your health insurance, your life insurance, everything. You're going to have to find a way to supplement that. How do you get it? Um, oh, crap, I got to go get my dental set up with a you know, different dentist. Right. Yeah. So all of these things are things you just don't think about. Yeah. Um, and so I did have a mentor. Um, I have now multiple mentors, but that's one thing I would highly recommend for anyone getting out. Find that person to kind of lean against that's walked the walk. Mm -hmm. um, and then, I mean, I think from industry to industry, I mean, in my case, I, again, I just found mentors and different um, veterans really within each of the different organizations. There was a guy in Lockheed Martin space that was, uh, in the Navy, he was an officer in the Navy. I think he went to like 04, 05. And I really stayed in close touch with him. And he kind of, you know, walked me through that process. Like, look, it's okay if this is not the dream job you want. Mm. You know, I fully recognize that this is not your background. That's okay. You can yeah. move laterally or whatever the case. Every company is going to be different. Yeah. But finding those vets within each of the companies that you work with is, is, was very important for me. Yeah, man. That's great. That's great insight. I think, you know, and then it also helps a lot of people out to the listeners out there when you're going through this process and you're, and you're thinking through what does my future look like, not only at this industry, but just as a, as a career, as a civilian and great pieces of advice, honestly, at the end of the day, never stop networking, always continually, just because you got a job, don't stop networking. Never you, one of the things that I've adapted, especially as an entrepreneur, is if somebody says, hey, I'd love to sit down and talk about what you're doing. Great. When and where? I will I will move, you know, I'll part the Red Sea to sit down and talk to anybody who wants to talk about what I'm doing. Um, not because I like to talk about myself, but it just, A, a it gives you practice, right? It gives you practice to selling what you're doing and, and help you create that story. But B, you never know down the road how that person could become a partner. Either they go to an organization that wants to do use whatever tool you're using or, you know, the business you're starting folds and you need a job, right? That guy's like, Hey, I, yeah, you can come work for me or gal, right? Let's, you know, and I think that that's also great of just having this mentality. I think there's a lot of people that just get so like, okay, it's army 2.0. I got into an organization. Now the best thing I can do is climb their ladder and recognizing that, okay, no, maybe that's not the right fit. Like don't just get into an organization and be like, ah, oh, whatever. Like, I'll just have that army mentality of like, I'll just go to the next unit and we'll all be better. No, like provide value to the organization, but know that you don't have to settle there. I think that's, I think that's awesome. I think that's really, that's great advice. And to all people out there listening, 
like please hone into that don't feel like you're stuck wherever you are whether you're you know an entrepreneur um I just read this fascinating little slideshow on LinkedIn this morning. Uh, just you know, I was up at five thirty browsing, and uh, it was this idea. It was a, I've never heard of this, uh, and if you have, if, or people out there have, I'm sorry if I'm repeating this, but this idea of grit versus quit, and you know, especially as 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 army, military, service members, to all out there, listeners out there, we have a lot of grit, right? Like, well, you know. We'll keep going, you know, we'll go World War, you know, World War One style. We'll just barely move that trench a little bit closer, a little bit closer. And we'll keep fighting that same war. But there is a time when you realize that you need to quit, right? That it's, and, and it comes back to that mental, that, that, that personal mental health, physical health, family life, you know, recognizing those things, pay attention to those. Um, and then making sure that you have, have a plan in place when it's time to, to take your talents to the next team. Um, now, Connor, this has been an absolutely awesome episode. Um, I love getting to talk entrepreneurship. I, this has been extremely fascinating from the fact that you've basically held three different, you know, jobs, as you meant, you've trans, you've, you've continued to transition, right? You didn't just get one place. And so it paves way. We, we kind of hit on this idea of, you know, uh, not necessarily being an MBA to take on tough systems and, and and this idea of continuing transitions looks just looks like continuing to educate yourself and you know i think that's so important so one of the things that we've talked about that usually i ask on this podcast is that the reason for leaving your army and i always like to quest, ask this question at the end because usually we kind of walk through it and people kind of get an idea where you're coming from so connor what's your reason for what what is your sure. why for leaving the military so and I'm going to preface this by saying that uh, when I was getting out, when I was, I approached, because when you're going to do the skill bridge program, you have to get a signature from your battalion XO, mm-hmm. your battalion commander. So that was the first time that they were aware that I was getting out. Mm. My battalion XO said to me, and I remember to this day, he says, you'll be back. Straight up told me, you'll be back. He says, I got out. It's not as peachy as they say it is. Then he came back. And so I kind of held that in my back of my mind as I was looking at the reasons why I wanted to get out. Um, And what I will say, the things I loved about the Army, the camaraderie, the people. Again, (laughs) I still have soldiers that call me today that they, ones that are still in, ones that transitioned out, you know, it's, you know, my wife jokes, it's like my little children, all my children, right? And I I love them all, you know, And, and that was the hardest thing was leaving that. Um, but I also had other reasons. One thing is I really like traveling. And again, this kind of goes to the re- my logic behind, um, behind not wanting to pursue medical school is I knew that I would give up all um, control, really, you know, for about 17 years, at that point, I might as well go 20. Yeah. And I didn't know at that point, what does that imply? What does that entail? Right. And so when I looked at this, I realized when I was probably about my third year is when I met my wife. So like, yeah, second, third year, um, she did a lot of international business. I love traveling. I love languages. Um, and I realized I didn't want to be tied to, to something that, you know, maybe it's not going to go how I like it. And I want the option to be able to transition. I mean, you even see is when I got out, I still moved from place to place, 
And so the concept of kind of being within the same organization for that long, I think was kind of daunting to me, maybe. Mm, yeah. um, and I think that was a large reason why, um, what kind of led to me getting out. But it was it was hard. Even to this day, my wife's like, maybe you should just go do reserves for a little bit on the weekends. So you can kind of get that that itch, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it was hard. Thanks. Thanks for sharing, Connor. I think that's a great insight into, uh, I think there is, I think ultimately there is that fear of, I think there's a lot of people who, oh, I only got in the military, but like, oh, wait a minute. What if I do go back? And to all the listeners out there, if you're thinking through that, that's okay. That's, it doesn't mean you failed. It doesn't mean that you quit. It doesn't mean anything. It just means that, hey, you went out and tried it. You tried to make it and you realize, hey, the, the civilian world doesn't wasn't offering me what I thought, and that's okay. And, and to go back and pursue that journey in the military, go go enjoy it and and, and figure that out and get back in there and, and, and love it. Um, you know, but I think your why is a great why. Well, all of them are great, but the reason specifically why is when I talk to people about, hey, when you're getting ready to get out of the military, whether you're two months away or 24 months away, you need to have a solid foundation and it can't be tangible things, right? It can't be salary. It can't be job. It can't be company. It can't be those things, right? Reasons like I love to be able to travel, you know, now granted the army's like, well, we turn you on deployment. So you can travel. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't want that kind of travel, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and just this idea of being able to kind of have the luxury of, you know, do have your own lifestyle, but understand that there are sacrifices that potentially have to be made. And so, I think that's awesome, Connor. I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, this has been an, this has been an awesome episode. I, I thank you so much for coming on and just kind of sharing about your journey. Um, and again, thank you for 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 talking about you know what you're doing at Roll Up and how people can get involved. Um, yeah, man, thanks for coming. Uh, on. We actually have our website up too. So if you don't even want to wait for that, it's a uh, rollup or rolluppapp.com. Roll so if you go to www.rolluppapp.com, you'll be able to basically see what we're doing, you know, what we're doing, what we're about. So you guys heard it from Connor. Go check it out. I'm going to go check it out. When I post this episode, uh, probably about two weeks. Uh, well, we're recording today, but two weeks from the when we're recording. Uh, so it'll probably be around, you know, whatever. You guys will see it come on, out on a Monday. But with that, I'll, I'll post I'll post the website on there. Um, you know, the alpha test may be released at that point to be so you can sign up and be part of the beta team and test that out. Uh, go do that. Go just go 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 be part of the ride or die crew. See what it's all about. Uh, test it out. Help you know. One thing that's always interesting, and this is kind of one of the last things I'll leave off before I close out the episode, is you know everybody's always like, hey, how can I support you and your company and what you're doing? And guys, it's really simple. Even if it's a paid product, go pay for the product. Go pay for it. That's how you help Connor. That's how you help people like me. That's how you help your other friends who are starting their other businesses. That's how you support them. You don't say like, hey, man, good job. No, no, no. Go buy their product. Go be a part of it. Go be a part of, of the organization that's trying to make the change. So, hey, man, I, you know, Connor, this has been awesome. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on uh, to the Little Buff Podcast. And to all the listeners out there, again, I this episode couldn't be more to the T of, of how we how the intro leads us in. There's no set path. To, to transition out of the military. There isn't. And, you know, and here we are, we're talking, Connor, Connor's doing it. He's doing the thing. Uh, he's out, he's, he's alive. He's successful. He's traveling the world. He's, he's making an awesome business. So don't let anybody tell you that you have to take a specific path uh, to get out of the military. So to all listeners out there, thanks for tuning into this episode. And remember, 
it up off. Thanks, guys. <laughs> oh no! Okay, I think. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the it'll buff podcast i hope you enjoyed that conversation i really enjoy having them here's the thing if you like that episode please do a few things to help me out one go save this podcast put it in your library i'm going to be releasing one episode a week every week here on forward the next thing is go to the five and and take the survey It'd be really helpful for you to take this survey to help paint a picture of where each member that is separating from the military that's interested in this community is at. There's all kinds of questions, things that I've covered from previous episodes, so please go take this survey. Third, please go schedule one-on-one on the website. I'd love to talk to you and hear where you're at in your transition journey and help at least put you on the right hazmuth and potentially work with you for the, for the future to come. Lastly, If you or somebody you know has a separation story that you would like this community to hear, please reach out to me so we can schedule that story and I'd love to have you on the podcast. Again, this is a community by you guys for the people that are coming behind us. The goal is to make each person that comes behind us as they separate from the Army have a more successful path than we did. That's the goal. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed and remember, it'll buff.